0: Well, greetings to everyone this morning. Jesus' precious name. It's been good to hear the word of the Lord this morning. And I trust we can hear a little more of it. First of all, this past Friday, my wife and I celebrated 35 years. Of togetherness amen brother 35 year relationship it's pretty amazing thank you dear it's really amazing when I think about that but it's a good thing and look at it looking at it realistically I am forever grateful as i think about it and meditate on it and look at our world today and look at statistics i am forever grateful for parents that know they weren't perfect my parents but somehow instilled in us in me and my wife that maybe unspoken principle of commitment. It's just the way it is. You are together for life, commitment and loyalty. When many today are throwing that to the wind and never make it to 35, Years of togetherness in their marriage. Many are fortunate if they make it to five these days. Think about that. Five years. Is that better? That worked? Okay, good. So many never make it to five. Some make it to 10 and the relationship's over. But through that reality or whatever you want to call it that marriage is for life, here we are 37 years, 35 years later, and I give credit to that. That, you know, that teaching that marriage is for life, you stick together through the good times and the hard times, you make, you do your part, there, there needs to be those principles of love and respect, of humility, and, uh, and just make it work. Make it work. I think, I know I'm topped off by a few in this room, but I think 35 years is a pretty long time. I'm beginning to think that. I can reflect back, and it just seems like not that long ago that we got married, but I can also look back and think, it is a long time. (laughs) It was a long time. There's many things that I have to think a long time to kind of bring them up, all that happened on that day and other things that are there, just like yesterday. And we sat there, and we reflected on our journey, 35-year-long journey. We went for a little outing and just... Reflected on our journey together, some of the things that we forgot in the middle of our journey, we brought that up again, some of the, yeah, 35 years, there's, there's a lot that can happen. And I am thankful to Rachel and to the Lord that I was granted such a gift Not only is Rachel my wife. This is true for all of us in here. But our spouses are also. Our sisters in the Lord. As Christians. They are God's children. Your husband. In here is also your brother. In the Lord. A son of God. And you're a daughter of God. And. And. That. That. That makes you think when you when you look at it that way. We were kind of starting to read a book together and, and, and the man uh, mentioned in there that, you know, look at it like this that God is your father-in-law. You're married to one of his daughters or one of his sons and God is your father-in-law and how are you treating his child? You know, children are pretty close to our hearts and if someone miss treats her children, that goes home with the parents. And so how are we treating God's daughter, God's son? And uh Yeah, so it was very, very good. Our our relationship hasn't been without its its trials and Storms—it hasn't been just on a a path of of, of uh, just easy sailing. I'm sure you all figured that out by now. You that are married any length of time. But here we are, 35 years together, and I think I can truly say, without boasting or or saying it wrong. That it's it's better, it's deeper, it's more meaningful. Laverne agrees with that. I'm sure many more do. It's it's solidified. It's it's solid. It's we've had we, we, we have something to look back on. You know, things we've done, mistakes we've made, things we've done right. Things that cemented us together even more and, uh, and, and some things that we did wrong that we might still be dealing with today. You know, here we are, 35 years into the relationship and still listening to some teachings, reading books on marriage. You'd think we'd have it all figured out. No. There's more to learn. Amen? There's more to learn. Partly due to maybe I'm a slow learner, and so I need to learn some things now yet. But I say all these things in light of the message that I believe the Lord wants me to share this morning. And it's not on on husband and wife relationship, but it is on on a relationship. And it has to do with our relationship with God. The title is Relationship Slash Friendship with God. And while not everything is the same, God is perfect, we are not. In our relationship... Both of us fail sometimes and, and need to make things right, fall short of what we should be in our relationship with, that is, with, with, with our spouse, but in our relationship with God, God is, God is perfect, God is always right. If it fails, it's on our part. You agree with that? It's, it's on our part. So in that respect, it's different. But I do believe that a, there's a lot that applies. A lot of principles that apply to making a marriage work apply to making our relationship with God work. Not everything, but a lot. And Brendan, unbeknown to him, did a... I believe God wanted him to give those scriptures. He basically... Brought us together. He basically took the, the, the gap of, of our sin that had separated us with God. All of us in here. Everyone in this room. Married and unmarried. All the Christians. All the gap and brought us together. He brought us to that point and he even said at the very end. And beyond that is a connection with God. Something like that. That's where I want to pick up. The other word for that connection is relationship relationship with God and I might be going back and forth some in our with our relationship with our spouse but I want you single people here today to tune in because I I, I believe it's very important this relates to you this has nothing to do with with marriage as far as hindering you from receiving the message this morning I might just share with you some principles that we've learned in marriage, in the marriage relationship, that also works in our relationship with God, and you need that. I give, I give this message with a bit of a, of a burden because of, because of some of the cheap grace teaching that is out there in the Christian life. You believe, you receive Christ, and nothing much more, nothing you know, many times people fall short at that point of, of, uh, of going beyond that and actually, actually having a real relationship with God. What does that look like? And I don't know that I can fully understand it and fully explain it, but I have some scriptures this morning that, that I believe are very important in our relationship with God. In, in our relationship with each other, even as friends, you young people, even as friends, there's things you do and don't do to make the relationship right and better. That's a principle that you have probably already learned. If you want to be a good friend to someone, then then there is a mutual reciprocation. You know, you you reciprocate back and forth and, and you give and take and you respect your friend. Well, that is true with our relationship with God. Yes, he shed his blood. Yes, he died a cruel death on the cross. Yes, he paid a tremendous price. Yes, is there anything I have to do to make this relationship meaningful? Absolutely. And that is where I think we fall short Sometime, and, it, and, it, and it's difficult maybe, but it has to do with obedience. So much has to do with obedience. But as we'll see shortly, please don't write me off by that word. Because I know we might. Oh, yeah, here we go again. It's obedience, obedience, you know. But there is a key that I want to share with you that will make all the difference. It will make the difference between night and day in obeying your heavenly Father. There's a little key. I'm going to give it to you in a little bit. So let's, let's pray. Lord, Father, Abba, Father, our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. We love you this morning. And yet, Lord, I would love you better. I would love you more. I can even say that about my wife. I love her dearly. But yet, I know I could and should love her more. And fall short. Of, of the ultimate. But God, this morning we come and we are here to learn from your scriptures, Lord, this very important teaching, Lord, on our relationship with God. We know you seem so high and holy and big and strong and almighty and sinless and pure and perfect that sometimes we shrink back because of that. But yet, Lord God, we know, we also know, at least in our heads, that the scripture make it very clear that you want a personal relationship with each one of us. And Lord, help me to somehow make that a little plainer, a little clearer for for all of us, myself included, and that we would desire that and we would pursue that and we would we would uh, do our part, Lord, in making this relationship work, first of all. And if it's working in making it better and more deeper and more meaningful, God, Lord, help me to teach these things plainly this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> we know the psalmist David along with a few other men in the Bible had had a relationship with God. Abraham it says was a friend of God. Who was it that that disappeared in thin air one day walk with God? <laughs> Enoch, Enoch, walk with God. David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. David wrote songs from his heart that pleased God. David loved God. I think that comes through clear in the Bible. David, I think we could say, had a relationship with God. He was out there in those hills taking care of his father's sheep, worshiping God, the Bible even talks about the sure mercies of David. somehow David experienced maybe the mercies beyond what many other men experienced. He was a man after God's own heart. The Bible says, but one day David fell, and he 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 he, he, he sinned against God, and he laments in in the Psalms, and he says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judgest. God. I know. That I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. God I know. That I received from my parents. That sinful nature. And God. He knew he had grieved God. He knew he had fallen from the Lord. And this is his prayer when Nathan the prophet came and told him and revealed his sin to him. And then he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore, here's a point that I want to get. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. The joy, of our relation, the joy of our salvation is a right relationship with God, brothers and sisters. The joy of our relationship, the joy of your relationship, young sisters, is your right relationship. The joy of your salvation is your right relationship with your God. If we have things in our lives then that relationship is hindered. We know it's that way in the physical, with our human relationship. When things aren't okay, then things are not okay. And David longed for that joy in his relationship with God. Create in me a clean heart. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David's broken relationship with God. Well, I think David got that back even though he suffered severely for it in his family. He was punished severely for that sin. And and a lot of trouble came down upon his home because of that awful sin but i do believe he found forgiveness with his god and 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 i believe he walked with god after that but but my concern in part this morning is that that we not joy that we not joy in our salvation with no one's sin in our lives. That is, de- that is deception. We are being deceived if we have no one's sin in our life. And yet we claim that everything's okay. And, I, and, and, and that people do that. People do that. We are deceived. God God, like David said, he wants truth in the inward parts. That's what makes our relationship with God sweet and meaningful and and exciting. When there's truth in the inward parts. When there's no hidden sin. When there's no guilt upon the conscience. I'm concerned if we have guilty consciences and we have hidden sin. And we know we're not doing everything we should be doing. And yet we're praising the Lord. God warned and said that these people draw nigh me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I cannot away with their prayers. I cannot hear their prayers. That's how God feels about this thing. So I would like to give a scriptural basis this morning for a true authentic, meaningful relationship with the God of heaven. He cares what goes on inside our heart. It matters to him. He he does not just go on with the relationship if things are not all right in our hearts. Be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. And we hear this thing about relationship, relationship. Well, amen. It is the bottom line. It is, the, it is the, the essence of our Christian life is to walk with God. Amen. It is what it's all about. But is everything that is called relationship, is it really relationship with God out there? And in here, is it really? Let us search our hearts this morning. God says in the New Testament, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Here's another one. But as many as received him, to them gave he power or the right or the privilege to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. We're talking, brothers and sisters, we're talking about being children of God. Children of God. Sons of God. What son has a good relationship with his father who is in disobedience? Not good. What daughter has a good relationship with their mother if they're in disobedience? The same is true with God. But I'm just establishing the fact here, giving a scriptural basis that God truly wants this. Romans 8, 15 says, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Father, Abba is Father, 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 Father. my heavenly Father, an openness between me and my Father, and we can cry, Father, now, here comes the key to this word obedience. I'm going to give you the key right now. John said, if any man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make Our residence, our abode with him. Now that sounds like relationship to me, amen. But the word obedient or the insinuation is obedience is in there. You will keep, we will keep his words. If any man love me. And we know this morning that the love is the key that makes all the difference. Love is the key in a family. Love is the key in a marriage to make it work. Love is the key in a church, a brotherhood. And loving God is the key to to obeying him. We don't have to. We get to. I don't have to love that woman that lives with me. I get to love her. Amen. I get to love her. I don't have to love my children that God has given me, I get to love them. You see the difference? And then it's not hard. If you children love your parents, you will obey their words. It's all part of the package. It's what makes it possible. It's the oil that takes the grind and the wear and tear out of it. Love is the oil. Love is what makes it work. If any man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. My father will love you, my brother, my sister. My father will love you if you love him, if you obey his words. My father will love him and we Father, Son, and Holy Ghost will come unto him and make our abode with him. Even you, sister? Yes, even you. Even you, brother? Even you. Amen? God is no respecter of person. He wants a meaningful, personal, loving relationship. Not one of fear. Yes, there's an element of fearing God because he is God and he never does anything wrong and we do. But we can press through that. Maybe we can clarify some of these things a little later. Well, that is the key. I'll give it right now. That is the key to make this work. You must practice loving God. It won't be dumped out of heaven on you Usually not. That varies from one conversion to another. People don't all have the same experience. Some, maybe more than others, are more having more of an emotional experience, but some. You need to just realize that God has taken the burden of sin away from them. He shed his blood for you and for me and let that settle down. And you look at the, the vast vastness of eternity and that you were lost forever. And now God has has, has given you what you need to be saved. And you think about that. And you, and you realize it, and you, you take it in, and you let it go down in your heart, and then you begin to praise Him for that. And you love Him for that. And you make it real. You put your words to it. Thank you, Father, for saving me. I love you for this. Thank you, and help me with this or that sin yet in my life. Father, take me further. You see, you must do that as a Christian. You must. You must exercise your faith that way. You must take verses from the Bible and apply them to your heart. You must You must have reality in your Christian life. If there is no loving, meaningful relationship with God, I promise you there is more. You need more. I wouldn't want to be married to Rachel that way. I don't like my family that way. I want love. I want relationship. I want meaning. Amen. That's how God designed it. And in our relationship with God. It's, a, it's done by faith. Yes. He comes in and we feel it. More or less. To a greater or lesser degree. It changes us. It affects us physically. Many times. But I'm telling you. We must. We must build on that. We must take that key and unlock one door to the next door to the next door that God has for us. In our growth with him. Are you with me? You understand? Making sense? It is of utmost importance. It is not God's will for us to be Stale bread, moldy bread, to feed us moldy bread. It is God's will to give us fresh bread every day, living water every day. It is God's will that we can refresh our souls and have our joy filled up again every day. It is God's will. I am convinced And the problem is not with him. It's not that he's run out of joy today. And he just doesn't have enough to give you. No, there's plenty there. Well, like any relationship, our relationship with God must be cultivated and maintained. John said some very strong words, or Jesus rather, and John recorded them. Listen to these words. Talking with the woman at the well... Jesus told her these words, but the hour cometh and now is now is it was back then. And it's here today. Now is the time when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such. You see, it enthuses the father. If we're enthused about him, if you have some spirit about you, about your relationship with God, guess what? That excites the father. He's looking for that. He's seeking for someone to worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit and they that worship him must. That's kind of like a legalistic word, isn't it, Brother Larry? Must worship him in spirit and in truth. No other way. God is sick with lip service. It sickens him to his stomach. It makes him want to throw up if our love for him is lukewarm. He feels nauseated when his children are half-hearted. In, his, in their relationship with him. And he wants to throw up. And he gets the crumbs. And he gets what's left. And he gets the other. He gets what's left of our love. Maybe. We have other loves. And other interests. And other, other things. And oh yeah. I also need to say my prayers tonight. Oh God. No. We need to shoot for higher ground. Yes, amen. It's not a now I lay me down to sleep, Lord, type of relationship. Maybe that's why so many marriages are breaking up. That's all they got for each other. They get the crumbs. They're, 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 they, have, they have their eyes out there. And the relationship breaks up and there's divorce. Divorce. The hour cometh and now is, it's today, it's right here, it's it's it, it's here. This is the credential. This is the prerequisite for a meaningful relationship with God. There is false worship, there is wrong worship, but there is true worship. <clears throat> the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him, and God is a spirit, and they that worship him must must worship him. Dearly beloved, when we gather like this, yes, we have 101 things to deal with. Believe me, in our minds and in our hearts to rake out of our soul and to focus on these words in these books and to try and make the connection from there to here. Amen. It must happen on a Sunday morning. We must make the connection that he shed his blood for me. Hallelujah. It's a must. It's a must. Adam Clark said these words. For worship to be acceptable to God, it must be of a spiritual nature. Think about that. What does that mean? God doesn't, he needs her money, but he doesn't need it. He wants her heart. He needs our song, but he wants it more than coming off our lips. He wants it to come from our heart. Amen. It must be of a spiritual nature. It must spring from the heart through the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it must be in truth, quoting Adam Clark. Not only in sincerity, there are many sincere wrong worshipers. You you, you understand that? There are multitudes of people that are bowing down sincerely. They They would die for their belief, but they're wrong. How is it with us? It needs not only be in sincerity, but it must be according to the truth. It must be performed, quoting here, according to the divine revelation, which he hath given men of himself. A man worships God in spirit when, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he brings all his affections, his appetites, and his desires to the throne of God. That's when we worship in spirit. Lord, search me. Search my inward parts. Do I have any other affections, Lord, that stand in the way? Lord, show me. Do I love my car too much? Do I love my farm too much? Do I love whatever too much? Lord, is there anything else, Lord? And we bring all these things to the throne of God and we lay them before him. that is what true spiritual worship is. And he worship him, quoting again, he worships him in truth when every purpose and every passion of his heart and when every act of his religious worship is guided and regulated by this, by the word of God. It brings us back to obedience. Okay, I worship because this is what the Bible says. And a line these things up with the Bible and make sure I have no ulterior motives and I worship God in truth. We make a lot out of the new birth and rightly so, it is the beginning of our spiritual life. That's where life starts, all right? That's where life starts. Maybe I'm kind of backing up here a little bit. But it's only the birth. It is when the when the umbilical cord is cut and we begin breathing on our own spiritually. God, for the first time, it makes sense. Yes, God, you are no longer just the God up there in the sky far away. You feel him. You begin to breathe spiritually when you are born again. The umbilical cord is cut. You're no longer living off the life of another. You are breathing on your own spiritually. Your lungs are pumping spiritual life. And you begin to know God spiritually. You begin to know God. Thirty-five years ago. I began to know this woman over here. I thought I knew her pretty well. I know her a lot better today, and she knows me a lot better today. We began breathing life. We knew each other to a new dimension the day we were married. I think we courted for a couple years there. But we knew each other in a new dimension. It was like, if I can liken it, a spiritual birth. It was a new beginning, and I knew her. She knew me in a way that we didn't before. And that is the same when someone is born again. You know, you are breathing spiritual breath. You begin to know God. You are, you have been born by His seed. You are one of His, you're His child. But the point I want to make here by saying all of this, it's just a beginning. If, that's, if we wouldn't have done anything more than just gone on what we knew before, I promise you I wouldn't be up here preaching to you. We would be some, we uh, we would have made shipwreck. If we wouldn't have gave ourselves into building our marriage, you know, getting to know each other better, getting to know each other more deeper and learning by, by, by mistakes, you know, and, and all those things that we're going to talk about here in our spiritual life. We wouldn't be here today, I'm sure. But we cultivated our marriage. 35 years later, we're still together. We're still going forward. We still love each other. Praise God. I'm still so excited about her. How is it with God? Can you get excited about God however long you've been born again? Well, I'm sure I know well enough that if you don't put some effort to it, you, you can lose that excitement. Right, Laverne? You can lose that excitement. And I'm here to warn and encourage us to take responsibility for your own soul. Apostle Paul had a problem with the Corinthians. Well, maybe I'll save that for a little later. (laughs) I have a check mark in my spirit. Okay. What do we need to do then to cultivate this life for all of us now to those that are born again here this morning? Well, you need to learn to talk with God. If Rachel and I wouldn't have talked with each other and communicated, I promise you there wouldn't be much of a a relationship today. You need need to to create a prayer life. You need to learn to talk to God. Uh, From where we came from, audible prayer was taboo. Just the preachers prayed loud. Where I came back way, way Way back in my background. You didn't pray out loud. That was was praying to be seen. You just prayed quiet beside your bed in your closet. That's all good. But when we became converted, how can you not pray out loud? But it was still difficult. And I remember very clearly helping Rachel learn to pray out loud with me. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray out loud. We're going to make this thing together. And I had to coach her. Let's pray together out loud. And you need to learn to pray to your heavenly father. Talk to him. Another thing you need to learn to hear from him. You need to practice hearing from the Lord. And he's going to speak you to you right out of here. If it doesn't line up with this, beware. But you need to experience from time to time That it kind of burns in your soul, in your eyes, in your heart. Wow. You know, I need that. That is where the life, how God speaks life to you. And so you need to talk to God. He needs to talk to you. Sometimes while you're reading, sometimes while you're meditating, he may talk to you. He may put his finger on something in your life that's not right. Or he may bless you and just, and just... Somehow you feel his love and acceptance and you can revel in his love. Amen. Thank you, God. You need to learn this. And another thing you need to do, we need to do, I need to do, is to give thanks. Giving thanks is so crucial. It is like medicine to your soul. Learning to thank the Lord. Out loud. I recommend you have a place where you can go on a walk, where a place where no one hears you and you can feel free and okay. This is, this is, I'm t- speaking to the girls and the, and the men and the women. It's okay for you to lift up your voice and say, thank you, Father. I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for, for, for what you did for me yesterday. You need to verbalize these things. If you want a good relationship with God, you need to learn to praise him. There's a little difference there. Thanking him is for something that you receive. Praising him is simply for who he is. Make that distinction in your heart. We live in this world. Things are not. Perfect. Sometimes you need to seek God. And and just like in a, in another relationship, sometimes we need to go the second mile. We need to put a little more effort into it. The Bible is filled with verses that talk about seeking God. Seek God. Sometimes you got to seek Him for a while before you feel you break through. Seek His promises. Seek seek Him. Seek His face. These are all subpoints to cultivating. This relationship. The, in Song of Solomon's, Song of Solomon there, you read of, of the woman going out and seeking her lover. You go seek God. God, I feel there's something wrong. What is it? What is it? Don't blame other people. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame the church. Just go seek God. What is it that is hindering my love relationship with you? What is it, God? Seek God. Next point, we need to purge our hearts. We need purging from time to time, like David there in Psalms 51. Purge me, O Lord, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me. We need to feel our own own, uh, mistakes and take ownership and deal with them. And sometimes we just need to sit and wait on God. Scripture has a lot to say about that. Waiting on God. I see time is getting away from me here. My. There's a time of soul searching. I might have talk, touched on that a little bit there on purging. I want to say a little more. If there's unforgiveness in your life, this relationship is going to suffer. It's that way in black and white in the Bible. If there's grudges or bitterness or secret sins bondages to unconfessed sins, you won't have a relationship with God for long. You won't. You just won't. You need to deal with those things. You need to do soul searching. Don't go on praising God and thanking him or or just, you know, uh, saying about the grace of God if you know you have undealt sin in your life. Don't do that. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall come into his presence? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. That's the man that ascends into the hill of the Lord. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For thus saith the high high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite. A crushed and humble low spirit. To revive, to make alive the spirit of the humble. And to revive, to make alive the heart of the contrite ones. It's a key. It's a key. Just some practical maintenance here in closing. Just, or Austin Miles wrote the very familiar song, In the Garden. And I'm going to draw some practical maintenance points. From this song if we want a real relationship with God you know the song I come to the garden alone point number one I come do you do you go do you go to God that's a very practical point but you got to do it I come he said I come I come do you do you go I come I make a decision I have a need it might be a habit it's a desire to come but I come I come to the garden alone the garden a familiar place do you have a familiar place of prayer you need one I come to the garden a familiar place a place where I know I have solitude Where I can lift up my voice and thank and praise God, where I can tell him my troubles, where I can pray in my 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 struggles. Do you have a garden? You can have one. I come to the garden alone, in solitude. No one else is there. Next line, while the dew is still on the roses, early, first thing. When you're fresh, it's important. It's more than a good idea. I believe it's crucial that we cultivate a early morning talk with God. I believe it's crucial. Evenings, our mind are full. Our minds are full. We're distracted. The last words that I remember Brother Danny telling me was a discussion that we had had at the uh, leadership seminar in burn Indiana I think it's the last words that he shared with me and we were talking about our walk with God and he said brother Elvin put it in concrete your time alone with God put it in concrete last words from brother Denny. put it in concrete if you want a real relationship with God put it in concrete That you will come. That you will come to the garden. You will come alone. And you will come early. First thing. First thing first. While you're fresh. The voice. Next line. The voice I hear falling on my ear. The son of God discloses. This high and holy and creator God wants to speak to you. Yes, he does. I love you. What about this in your life? What about that sharp word yesterday? Why don't you go back and make it right? Uh Uh-huh. Go back and make it right. Amen. What about that? You know, wrong business deal or whatever. The line goes on and on. God is concerned about purity. If you want a relationship with God, our hearts have to be pure. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And after a while, God is way over there. And he's waiting. When is he or she going to deal with that thing in their life? One week, two months, two years. Five years? And you hear this individual's testimony. You know, it's not the same. Why is the Christian life so hard? God says, I'm here. When are you going to deal with that problem in your life? I'm here. I'll meet you in the garden. It's not God's fault. He hasn't changed a bit. He still speaks to us if we listen. Oh, I underlined this one. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. Brothers and sisters, this is the secret to the Christian strength. If you can hear from God and that thing can ring in your soul, you can go through anything. You can even go to the cross and die for him. If what he told you to do. And it rings in your soul. It is the secret of our strength. I believe it. I believe it with everything I have. It is a Christian strength. And the melody that he gave to me. Within my heart is ringing. Yes, God. The Bible says, the Bible says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress and my, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. I love to hear testimonies like that. Amen. I love to hear testimonies like that. When have you last said that? Dear brother. Dear sister. When have you last testified as a Christian? He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. This is the secret to the Christian strength. <clears throat> Dearly beloved, that is so, so important that you say of the Lord that you have a testimony. I'm not going to put pressure on you to testify today, but I am here to say, if you don't have a testimony. I am alarmed as a pastor. I'm not here to put pressure on anyone. I'm just here to say for you to consider. And maybe there's reasons. I understand it. Maybe there's reasons, but it is so vitally important that we testify to our relationship with God, that we should get to the bottom of whatever the reason is. I'll say it that way. I believe the scripture bears that out. And I just urge you to go after that, to go after that. I'm not, I don't want manufactured heartless testimonies. I don't. I don't. But with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made. Amen. It's part of our Christian experience. So please, please don't don't feel pressure. Just feel love and concern. We are quiet. We are. And I'm concerned. And I'm not saying we should be shouting hallelujah when things aren't right. But things got to be right. Things should get right. Okay. Maybe I said too much. God forgive me. Don't. Don't feel under pressure. I hope you can take that. I hadn't really planned to say this. I really didn't. This way. Maybe I'll say this Corinthian thing now. I was debating if I, if, I, if I would, but because of what I just said, I think I will. Paul had a problem. The Corinthians all came together and had a psalm, had a hymn to the point where he had to shut them down. Saying, "No, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is not orderly. Let's take things by order. We don't have that problem. <laughs> okay? Take that lightly if you can, but honestly, we don't have that problem. That we're saying, well, wait a minute, it's it's, it's 1230, let's shut these testimonies down, <laughs> you know. You know what I'm saying. I guess I'm just sharing my heart for you to consider with me. This, I believe, should be part of our Christian experience. And I hope I didn't make too big of a thing out of it. Maybe Larry can balance me up a little bit there when he comes up here if he needs to. But I, yeah. God bless you with those words. I hope it uh, ministered to your heart. I should pray yet. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and I pray that uh, you would bless the word and that I did not step out of my boundaries this morning, Lord. I'm sorry if I did. Lord, I pray for your blessing on the word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.